2: And if the whole world's singing your songs, and all of your paintings have been hung, just remember what was yours is everyone's from now on. And that's not wrong or right, but you can struggle with it all you like. You're gonna get up tight light, light. There's a light, a light, There's
0: a light, Hello, this is the People Still Read Books podcast, what episode light. number 20. If you There's have light. been a frequent listener of this podcast, you're thinking, this is not Will Leach's voice I'm listening to. Who the hell is this person? Hi. I'm Tim Grierson. I do the Grierson and Leach podcast with my longtime friend, Will Leach. And I get the very uh, distinct honor of actually interviewing Will for this episode. Because when Will started this podcast, he did it partly to promote his book, which comes out today, called How Lucky. Um, By the way, if you want to follow us on Twitter, or his podcast on Twitter, it's still read books. And if you want to email Will... He will eventually get to those emails. He swears. It's people still read books at gmail.com. Well, first of all, I just want to say, yes. before we get into the description of the book, um, mm-hmm. thank you very much for having me host it. I know this is driving you crazy because when we do our podcast together, you run the whole show, and now I am doing that. And I know it's very difficult and confusing and weird for you, but I really appreciate you letting me take the lead for this episode of the podcast, so thank you very much.
1: Uh yeah, yeah it's totally cool. It's fine. It's great. It's fine. I'm fine with it. It's good. I'm not problem I can tell. with it. it's Totally it is, fine. Yes. I'm happy with the, this. It's totally Your
0: good. Uh, comic exaggeration about how you're handling this. I very much appreciate it. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you have interviewed a bunch of different people including me when I had my book, this is how you make a movie. Um you talked to different authors about their books and now I'm going to talk to you about your book. For people who are not familiar with How Lucky, it got a great review from Stephen King and a bunch of other people. It is a book of the month selection. It got a great review at Amazon as well. It is the story of Daniel. Daniel is 26 years old. He lives in Athens, Georgia, and he is the narrator of the book. As we discover pretty quickly, he, uh, when he was a kid, when he was a boy, he was di- diagnosed with SMA, which is spinal muscular atrophy i'm going to let will discuss that a little bit more when we actually do the interview but essentially it is a progressive uh, disorder that attacks the muscles and when uh, daniel was a boy he was told he did not have very long to live his single mother absolutely refused to believe that and basically dedicated many years of her life to helping daniel get through school get through high school get through college and now he lives in athens kind of by himself, um, but he has the help of a caretaker from uh, from Pakistan named Marjani and his best friend who he grew up with who uh, was in Athens and the reason why Daniel's in uh, Athens as well, his best friend is named Travis. The book is mostly a story about Daniel talking to us and talking to us about uh, SMA and also kind of his worldview. He has a very unique job. He works at Uh, He does essentially customer service for a local airline. If your flight is delayed, if you're unhappy with your seat and you bitch to the Twitter account, Daniel is the person who responds uh, to those tweets. He also uh, has this woman who goes by his house almost uh, every day. She is a Chinese student. She is studying at the University of Georgia. She's uh, studying to become a veterinarian. Uh, Her name is Ai Chin, which we'll find out about because at the beginning of the book, Aichin is, she goes into a car, and they don't know, he doesn't know for sure what exactly has happened. What actually has happened is that she has been kidnapped. She has gone missing. Turns out, I don't want to spoil any more about the book, um, Daniel thinks he knows who actually kidnapped uh, this woman. Uh, and he's a, He starts becoming even more uh, sure of this because that person actually starts contacting him by email. that is not a great job of describing the book because one of the things I really enjoy about the book, and Will was very nice uh, a few years ago to kind of let me read it early to give him some early thoughts. I really enjoyed it then, and I really enjoy it now. One of the things I really enjoy about the book is that while there is a plot, while there's a thriller element, it's much more a story about this guy, about Daniel, and it's very much a story about um, a certain time of life and how people sort of uh cope with whatever circumstance that they have in their lives um it's a really moving story it's a really touching story so to get that out of the way first of all well congratulations on the book it's really really great and again i'm really really happy to get to talk to you about it. so um yeah so thank you for having me on the first thing i want to ask you about
1: um I loved hearing your plot description, by the way. That was like, like it was, it was, I really felt like, hey, this book sounds like you are very good at doing plot descriptions. So I think I was glad I got the list. Yeah, I, that.
0: you know, when we do them on the Grierson Leach podcast, I never plan them out ahead of time. I just sort of talk off the cuff and I realized I, I made some notes, but it's kind of did the same thing here. So I hope I did justice to the book. You great. The yeah. first thing I want to ask about is the, the thing that everybody wants to know when they read the book. And you talk about this in the acknowledgements a little bit, but since people haven't read the book and people who are listening... I'd love to hear a little bit about the story of choosing Daniel as the main character and specifically him having a diagnosis of SMA and how this diagnosis came into your life, how you found out about SMA.
1: Yeah, so um, my uh, my son William, my older son William, is nine. He'll be ten in uh, November. Um, my one of my wife's one of her best friends is named Eason. Uh, she, uh, she was actually in the wedding with uh, Gerson, Actually, uh, uh, our wedding with Gerson. She they, she went. She grew up with her. Uh, she went to college with her, and um, they she uh, she 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 and her wife decided to get a donor um, to have a baby. And that, and that son Miller was born around the exact same time as William. So we were very excited about this because, like, wow, like, like yeah, Easton and Lindsay are very close to me as well. I love them both. They are very close to us. And they live in Charleston, South Carolina, which is about a five, six hour drive from here. So we always, we, like, we, we were always going to vacation with them. The idea of, of William and Miller growing up close for, as best friends the way that Easton and Alexa grew up as best friends was very exciting and something that we were very uh, thrilled about. And so, you know, uh, uh, there was literally a time where there's a scene actually in the book like this, uh, where Travis and Daniel, in this case, it was William and Miller, uh, because William is a little bit older than Miller. But they were crawling around, and we noticed that William was able to hold weight on his legs, and, uh, and Miller wasn't. And we talked about floppy leg syndrome. We never really thought about it. Um, but uh, they kind of did a series of tests, and that was they discovered that he had SMA, spinal muscular atrophy. And uh, it was obviously a shock to them because like, it's one thing you you obviously you worry about your child, but I mean like to literally have a doctor say that like, Oh yeah, they don't usually make it past like 20 or 21 to a year and a half. old. It was obviously like very stunning to, to, to them and to all of us. And so, uh, you know, uh, they have been. One of the things that's interesting about the uh, interesting about the story in this is that like uh, there is now a drug called Spinraza that Miller takes that has made him much stronger and able to do a lot of things uh, that Daniel would have been unable to do uh, twenty years ago. And so it's very it's very exciting and things are going well. But that was something they had to live with at all times was the idea that like our beautiful son uh, that, that, that 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 is could not make it past twenty one and that the the to deal with that. And so they, you know, they were they've worked really hard to like raise awareness, and like they had this race every year called the Go Miller Go uh, 10K, and we would always go to Charleston and and go uh, be a part of it. And these were we we discovered that there were a lot of like really well-meaning people like me, frankly, and, and and us, like real real well-meaning, wanting to do the right thing, just like wanting to support and like really help and like raise awareness and fight this disease. But the way we to a person and unintentionally, the way that they would speak. Or interact with people that had SMA or some sort of a, 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 a disability that was connected to it, they, no matter though, they intellectually knew that, like, this person's brain's just as fine as your brain. Everyone's it's fine, this is just a regular person you're talking to. There was something so infantilizing about the way that they, people spoke and, and were so careful and so cautious and so, and that was. I really got kind of obsessed with that idea. And I talked to, I actually talked to a lot of people there who had SMA. I talked to Miller. I talked to Lindsay. I talked to Eason. I got really kind of obsessed with this idea of not just that idea, of like, please let's keep the talk, talk to disabled, like normal people, but the idea of communication, like th- th- there's something about the way that like, it it felt like a larger thing. It's why a lot of the book has to do with like the internet and people like trying to communicate with one another. It really felt to me like, like there was just a fundamental disconnect between the way people were interacting with one another and they just couldn't hear. Uh, Miller, and they couldn't hear these other kids and, and these other adults, and it was frustrating, and I, I got kind of obsessed with that idea. I didn't know if I was going to write about it, I just thought a bunch about it and talked to them a bunch about it, and I was kind of looking to do frankly, I was wanting to work on a novel. I, I, it was something I kind of was ready to start working on. Uh, I haven't written a book in 10 years, and uh, I wrote one uh, it's, been, it's been since before I had kids that i wrote I've written a novel, so I, I was thinking about what I wanted to do, and I got kind of obsessed with this idea, and Another story that uh, that kind of connected this is in 2017, a uh, woman named Yingying Zhang at the University of Illinois, where I went to college, uh, was uh, abducted by a graduate student uh, at the University of Illinois. And uh, there was one detail that always really stuck with me, which was they had like an event. They had like an event for, uh, uh, well, like because she was missing, they didn't know they didn't know where she was, they didn't know who had taken her. And they had this event, and it found out later that the guy that had took her was at the event and was like like a part of what was. Going on, like trying, and it was. There's something about that that just that detail, like, just made me sick to my stomach, and. So I, and I, the, the, I, I felt like, you know what, I, that maybe that's my story. Maybe that's my idea is, uh, well, I think we actually talked about uh, a window on our podcast and I was kind of like, and I, I really was kind of like really thinking uh, about that just kind of basic structure of what if someone with SMA um, uh, had tried to report something. But the main thing that I realized pretty early on was I wasn't sure about the story. I wasn't sure what I had that nailed that. I wasn't sure I was going to tie to that, but I knew I had Daniel. And I knew I had Daniel and I and to me, the once I figured out Daniel's voice, and now to me, like I feel, it's it's very weird. Whenever people would talk about fiction or like or or a, mo- or a movie that they made or a character that they they wrote or something, they would. All, it was it, frankly, I found it like disorienting and even kind of obnoxious when people would be like, "Oh well, you know, the story just follows these characters wherever they go." Or I just I just want to do what Daniel would do or so on. I always found it kind of pretentious, and I totally understand it now because like to me, Daniel is. I Daniel just kind of took on like he's he took on his own life <laughs> at a certain point and like I felt like what I had I had Daniel. I just wanted to tell Daniel's story. And I wasn't even sure what Daniel's story was or or what he'd be connected to. But I knew that not only I, I, I had Daniel, I knew who Daniel was and I wanted to, to do it right. And so as uh, so I'm a journalist. You are a journalist. Uh, one of the things I'm very aware that I am an able-bodied person writing about a disability that I do not have. And I'm aware of the perils of that. I'm aware of the inherent uh, not only weaknesses, but frankly, like the impossibility of me as someone that is able-bodied to be able to 100% nail down effectively what it's like to have SMA. I make no claims to be able to do that. I do the best that I can. And the best I can do is, as a journalist, is to have run it by as many people as possible. And it's funny. Uh, I, I I have a friend of mine. Uh, I I've had several friends of mine that uh, are connected to SMA that have since read the book. And they and and some people who didn't even help out with the that I didn't show it to in the first place. And they're like, I kept waiting for you to fuck it up. Like I kept waiting till like, I get that wrong. And because that's what I do when I read stories about people that have a disability is I wait for like the able-bodied person to get it wrong. And and they said we actually haven't found that yet. I was like, I know because I fucked up a bunch and thankfully people told fixed it for me and told me what I was doing was wrong. And for I know that I I just can't know it. I can't know it better than them. But what I can do is do the best I can to get it right. And also to tell the story of Daniel. Like Daniel has spinal muscular atrophy but that is he is not defined by it he is quite definitively and proud and like defiantly not defined by it so to me you know the the overarching theme of communication the overarching theme of not of trying to be heard and trying to cut through all of the noise that surround us all at all times and the connection the kind of the internet uh, that idea that all just kind of Came to fused together, and then Daniel emerged, and uh, which is the be- is the best way to put it. So it is a weird thing to say because you know I look at the book now and I pick it up and I know that I wrote it. Like I, there are lines I'm like, oh yeah, I'm glad we changed that word. That's better. But it doesn't like I know it's weird because I'm not. It's been a, like 15 years since I wrote a novel. I didn't go to creative writing school but I do feel like I, like it's weird for me to look, to pick up the book and like, it sounds like Daniel, (laughs) like it sounds like Daniel. It doesn't sound like me. It sounds like Daniel. And, uh, I don't know how that happened. It feels like a weird kismet thing, but, uh, Daniel to me was he ha, he does have SMA but like he's him he's Daniel and he's defiantly himself and like there are things that he has in this that not like SMA that's the thing about SMA it's a weird disease like it's a progressive disease so people are always kind of in different stages of it like a lot of people for example that like the the majority of people that have have SMA are able to speak Daniel is is able to speak but as he kind of talks about it's difficult for him and so he finds himself just kind of like communicating. Through, through other ways. The, what came out of that was talking to a lot of people of SMA, one of the things that happens is because it's a progressive disease, if something happens to you or you don't practice something or you don't do something for a while, you just stop being able to do it, which to me was, I got kind of obsessed with that idea. And so that led to him basically not being able to speak, which adds uh, again to his communications problems in the book. But listen, I'm aware, like, again, I am, I, uh, it's been very, it, I get very uncomfortable. I've read, I've seen some early reviews. of, have people like, wow, I had to check and see if this author had, uh, what was able, uh, had a disability. Cause he's so believable in this, but like, it's not like the, Daniel is Daniel. <laughs> like Daniel does have SMA, but Daniel's voice is Daniel's and he's not meant to. And I hope he is not, he has not taken as a, a, a like here, here is the voice of SMA because he's not, he, he, he's Daniel, and he's struggling with a lot of things. I think a lot of us are struggling with uh, in a lot of ways. So, uh, but yeah, it's a challenge. And if someone, I guarantee you, there will be someone with SMA or someone with a disability that will be like, "Wow, this is not my experience." And I totally, I am appreciative of that, and I'm aware of that, and I am, and I'm, I'm making no claims to, for this to be uh, some in total understanding of the of the SMA experience or the disability experience. But I do think that it's definitely representative of Daniel, and I think that uh, uh, to get Daniel nailed in. This the rest of uh, Kevin Wilson, who uh, I'm hosting the event with. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit uh, next week. Uh, wrote a thing in the Book of the Month Club selection about this about like he's like, listen, this is a book where things happen, but like I would have followed Daniel anywhere, like whatever was going on, Daniel. I would have followed Daniel there, and to me, that's exactly what I wanted out of the book because there is a story to this and there's a third to this. But to me, it's, it's, it's Daniel's book. And, uh, I hope I got
0: it. It's funny that you mentioned rear window. Cause before we uh, got on to record this, I actually looked back at the podcast and that was August of 2016 that we did the reboot, um, for rear window. And I was wondering how much that had played into it. So that answers my question. You know, it's funny that you talk about the voice thing That's actually something I wanted to ask you about, because obviously a lot of the kind of early blurbs have talked about the voice. What is interesting to me to hear you say that that Daniel will serve his own person, his own character, which I, I get, it is the curse of knowing the creator as long as I have is that when I read the book, I feel like this sounds like Will, which I don't mean as a criticism at all. I mean, it feels like it feels like your voice. And so you the way you were sort of just talking right now, I was interested in the idea of deciding what the voice was at the beginning and deciding who Daniel was, I'm not even talking about the SMA aspect of it, but sort of figuring out this guy is this, this and this and figuring out how the voice plays into that. I think just when we talk about whether it's film characters or characters and novels, this idea of voice is kind of the sort of elusive thing. You talked about this idea that like, it sounds really pretentious, but there's an idea that eventually, The character takes on a life of his own, and then that character informs what decisions you as the creator are going to make. But still, you had to figure it out at the beginning. And I'm curious, like, how closely did you feel like when you were starting the book that you were writing your own voice? That in some ways that you related to this guy, that you understood him? Because I'm curious about that evolution. Because for me, when I read because I know you so well... It feels like you. It feels like your voice. It doesn't feel like, th- even though you don't have SMA, but he does, a lot of the kind of worldview, the kind of attitudes about different types of things are very much new. Are you, because I know you so well. And I'm curious in terms of you creating that character, did you think about separating his voice from what you consider your own voice—it's really—I say—it's very interesting to hear you say that you feel like he's so different. Because to me, I I see so much of you in Daniel. It's impossible for me not to see a lot of the way Daniel is in the world with how you are in the world.
1: Well, you know, I would say that I I think you're on one th- on the one thing, which is the idea that like Daniel has a very positive attitude of the, about the world, and so do I. And I think that's true. And you know, one of the things you know a friend of mine was asking me uh, the other day like what like what like he was he, he really loved the book and he said honestly it just feels like I'm just glad there's a positive thing in the world <laughs> and and I, to be honest I, I was really kind of touched by that because that was a large like listen I don't know about you Gerson but like it's been kind of a rough few years <laughs> it's been a lot right and 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 you and i feel like you know one of, one of the early parts of the book is this notion where daniel talks about uh, cuz you know he again i one of the one of the first things i knew about daniel was what his job was <laughs> i knew very early on what his job was because i love the idea that that this is a guy that just gets yelled at on twitter all day <laughs> he just gets yelled at he gets called horrible names right from the beginning and cuz he and he has the deal in the muck the way that we all feel uh, so much when we spend too much time online we're like wow everyone is awful <laughs> even people i know and admire eventually get awful become awful if they are online enough and one of the things that i I I, knew, I wanted him to have that experience because one of the things he talks about is, like, what you know, in the real world, people are not like this. And I not to say that, like, there are not clear, obvious bad things that happen in the world. But, like, if we were in the real world the way that we were on social media, we would never stop punching one another. <laughs> We'd never stop screaming each other all the time. But, like, there's little things that... People do every day uh, little small little kindnesses and small little courtesies that people do on a regular basis, whether it is just holding a door open for a stranger, or just or if someone's holding up a door open for you, you just speed up just a little bit to make their life slightly a little bit easier in that exact second. And like there's little things that happen all the time. They're tiny little moments. They're, they you get there is no like never minding it, they're not just nice things to do. Like there's no like tangible benefit you get out of it. You will never see this person again. It's just a random moment of, like, courtesy and politeness and kindness that all of us are doing constantly. That is not to say that there are not assholes in the world. There are. (laughs) There are definitely some assholes in the world. But, like, I do think that, like, one of the things that I kind of wanted to kind of put into the world in the book that I think is definitely me and I think is is something that uh, I think Daniel definitely has is that, like... You know, it's, it's, it's not that bad. (laughs) Like, it's not, like, it's really not that awful. And, and that the, the, these little moments that if you just stop and think about them for a second, are wonderful and, like, speak so well to, like, humanity and the way we interact with each other and, 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 and the way that we connect and the way that, that we have these little things that happen all the time that we never comment about or think about uh, about but are wonderful and are, like, sweet little things that, because they're not documented or there's the old joke about the news media about, like, about the, 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 the idea of the news media constantly talking about negative stories, like no one starts at 6 o'clock evening news with hello, I'm Dan Rather and Everything is exactly as it was yesterday, and it's all fine, and it's all going to be okay. Like there's like news. It's about things that are changing, the things that are different, and things that are unusual. But so therefore, things are not chronicled, particularly in a world with social media, where we are constantly chronicling things that are are wrong and upset us and are annoying. We just don't. Like there, there's so much stuff that just every day walking around that we do and to with each other and interact with one another that are just sweet and nice. And I think speak to like an inherent – people want to be good and they want to be kind. And I that was uh, – I will say that like that is definitely a connection that I have with Daniel. It's something that I wanted to – to give to him, and I think the to me the, the if there's a connection to the SMA, it's the idea that like, hey, you want to see darkness? Like, I'll show you darkness. Like, I'll show you like like what, what I've got to deal with, and the fact that like there's a clock. <laughs> like, I've got a clock on me, and that and and to have I I felt it would be compelling for someone uh uh to not only deal with that darkness and his job and in his life every day, but then with having this to deal with with this with this ability in this disease for him to have the attitude i thought would was important and something i th- I wanted to put out into the world so i think there's definitely a similarity there i mean like i wrote the book like obviously there's going to be a a, a lot of me in it but i do think like i'm the, i feel like i'm a lot different than, than than daniel i think that like daniel is like daniel is more daniel is definitely more con- tent than I am. Daniel is definitely more comfortable uh, than I am. I think he, I think he's a, I think he's a little wiser uh, than I am. I, you know, I do feel there's, there's a, you know, one of the things I love about writing in general is you know, I I walk around. I, you know, I when I walk around the world, uh, you've known me for a very long time. When I walk around the world, I'm a bit of a mess. I'm a little sloppy. I uh, I uh, my my friend of mine once joked that like my my conversation, as you know, anyone that's listening to the podcast knows that my conversational style is very much of a being in a room with a bunch of doors that I don't know if they're locked or not. So I just go to this one. I try. Oh nope, that one's locked. Okay, so we'll go over here. Oh, no, that was not locked. That one's on. Oh, this is unlocked. I'll walk through this one. And like that is how I kind of interact with the world. Like I feel, but when I'm writing, I can like clear all that out and like make sense of it and put in sense of, sense of order and support some sorts of narrative and put, make some sense out of it. And so for me, that's, that's why I write. That's like the reason I do it because everything kind of calms down and like I can make sense and put some order in what is otherwise chaos. And so that was what I, I wanted to. Like if I want it like this is, the book it, the book is a living thing and once you start working on it, it becomes a lot of different things and it, becomes, it turns this direction, it turns this direction and it, 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 it becomes what it wants to be. But the overarching idea and the premise from the get-go is you know what? The world is just there's 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 meaning here and there's kindness here and there's goodness here and we can't get it lost because of all the other extra terrible mess and so uh, uh, if Daniel has that I guess that definitely comes from. Well, I
0: think it's really interesting because of course i I like you said we've known each other for a very long time and one of the things you were talking about writing and what writing kind of does for you you and I really don't talk very much about what writing does. For us, in terms of, it's sort of a thing, I I don't know if anybody's interested in this other than you and me, but I think that for both of us, writing is a thing that we do. It's not a thing that either of us are particularly precious about. It's kind of like, it's a job, it's a thing, that's what we do. That's why you will tend not to see either of us on social media be like, had a really challenging day at, you know, writing, you know, but some, and, and I don't mean to be disparaging of people who do that because people need that as their process, but that isn't, there is a Midwesternness about you and me in terms of us not, we just don't approach it that way. And the reason I'm bringing this up, it was one of the things I wanted to kind of ask about was I'm really curious because I'm very clear in my own mind, um, what Susan has done for me. For people who listen to our podcast, recently I mentioned my wife Susan a decent amount. And I'm very clear about what Susan has brought to me in terms of the improvement of my life, how she's clarified a lot of things. You know, th- your book is dedicated to Alexa, your wife, and she gets the last acknowledgement in the book. And it's a very lovely acknowledgement. I wonder if there's any way, as yourself, can you quantify what being married and also moving to athens obviously the book is set in athens but just the the, this is a period of your life where you've been married for a lot of years you have two kids now i'm curious if, if you can even sort of talk about how that's changed your writing or how it's do you feel like it has i mean obviously we all get older and things change but the idea of actually like having that kind of stable family life I think for myself it's been such an incredible gift that I wasn't even expecting like I was just happy to be married to Susan because she's the most awesome person in the world but all these other side things in terms of how it like improved my writing in certain ways and I'm just curious for you if that's something that you have picked up on or nose in terms of your own writing
1: yeah, I think it's it's a combination of that and frankly moving to Athens. Uh, a- you know, one of the things I love about Athens and one of the things I wanted to make Athens such like a big part of the book. And I think Athens is uh, a- Athens is is definitely meant to be. Uh, you know, you're supposed to. I want I want you to feel what it's like. Uh, why this city's this town's great and and why it's so fascinating and why all the different kind of fun things about it. But like you know, I used to always joke that like my five best friends people that I hung out with the most in New York city all worked in media. They <laughs> worked in media and we would get together and we would talk about media and who was doing this and who was doing that. And what we were doing this and what we were working on and so on and so on. And I moved to Athens and the five people that I talked with the most, like one's a preacher, one owns a board game cafe, one's a lawyer, one's a one like, like they don't have anything to do. Not to say I don't love, like when I get together with my friend, Aileen who works in the media, we just talk media shit. <laughs> like we just like, like, like gorge on it. Cause I don't get it otherwise. But like, I feel like I'm living a more well-rounded life here. Um, You know, you know, I think that, not, not only like the kids, but like, you know, I mean, one of the things that's been really exciting in our in our lives here is that like, you know, my wife is an interior designer and her business has like exploded in like the last two years. It's something that I don't really talk about her work much. So I try to keep her out of uh, a lot of this stuff, but like her, she's doing, like she is thriving in a way, like she's, she's never been unhappy, but like her business and her work is thriving in a way that is very exciting and, and in a way that, uh, um, uh, gives her joy and uh, and gives her uh, a a drive that uh, I have always had and have sometimes not enjoyed. To be entirely honest, you know, I it's funny. I, um, I about a week ago. Uh, I got an email from Dave Eggers, um, and Dave Eggers went to the University of Illinois. I've never spoken with Dave Eggers before, and in fact, I told my friend Aileen they got this email from Dave Eggers, and she joked, "Oh, so you've been trying to, so you've basically been trying to get that guy to get your attention, get that guy's attention for twenty years." <laughs> and that is exactly right. I remember moving to New York City in two thousand and reading heartbreaking work and staggering genius, and you know, I moved to New York to try to make it as a writer, and I'm going to go do it. And I remember reading that, and being like. Oh wow! This is going to be a lot harder than I thought it was. This is to, I cannot do this, and um, and th- and so that drove me for like a long time. Not Dave Eggers, but the idea like I have to make it. I have to do it. I have to like do these things. I have to get to this spot. and I have to get to this spot. And I have to get to this spot. And oh, why is this person doing this thing? I need to be doing this. Why am I not doing doing this? And even with Deadspin, you know, Deadspin was really the major career. I mean, my entire it changed my life. You know, and it 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 gave me. Uh, it allow it has allowed me to do stuff to to this day, but like even when I was doing that, I was absolutely obsessed with like, all right, this is my shot. This I gotta do. This I got my shot, and like it it hurt relationships, it hurt friendships because I was so focused on like. Not just my career, but like making it, whatever that meant. Uh, and listen, I spent my first five years in New York City, like surfing couches and answering phones at doctor's office. So I get it. Like I needed to, I was 30 years old and my parents were like, why are you answering phones in the doctor's office in a town halfway across the country that we don't like? So, you know, th- there was certainly some urgency there. But one of the things that, you know, one of the things that's been really nice about being in Athens is like, now I'm just like, this is just my job and I love it. And I, I love it more than I ever have. But so when I say it's just my job, I don't mean like pff, that I'm just I'm just farting stuff out and getting the work done. It is more that like I know who I am and I know what I'm good at and I know how to make a living at it. And uh, and I, I mean, when we're in high school, if you had told me that like you're going to be 45 years old you're going to be able to write whatever you want about baseball, whatever you want about movies, whatever you want about politics and you're going to get paid for it and then and then they'll let you write a book. I would have like in 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 high school I would have been blown away by it when I was Twenty eight. I'd been like, yeah, but how many copies of the book sell? Uh, where am I writing? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? And now it's just like, hey, I'm writing. I'm writing what I want to write, and now I get to do this, and I get to make a living. And like for me, you know, to see now my boys, this you know, this is the first book I've written since I had kids. Like my sons are like so excited about it. <laughs> like they're really excited about it. It's really like a cool thing for them to be a part of. And um, you know, so if if feel there was a time where writing a long time where uh, and I think again there are I guarantee you there are people that have been close to me in my life that would that would be nodding vigorously as they hear this but you know there was a time in my life where my writing career and my work and me trying to make it whatever that meant was the number one most important thing now it didn't mean I would go cut people's throats to go get it but it was it was all consuming like I felt like like I, 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 this is what I want to do with my life and I absolutely have to make this happen and and uh, and if I don't, everything is a failure, and I'm going wrong. And I, where am I supposed to? Should I be here by now? And all of those things that, frankly, young people deal with that when they haven't established themselves. And now, I listen. I do not feel that I am like fully established now. Great, I'm done. Awesome, I nailed it. But I do feel like I'm doing the work for the work now, not because oh, I it'd be really good to write for that play. Oh, a byline there would be great. Oh, I gotta. I hope I sell more books than this, or I get better. I just don't like. I don't care about that stuff anymore and a lot of that is kind of what you're talking about is is i don't like i'm making money i'm making enough money to be able to own this home with my wife and we're putting doing a construction project i'm able to send my i'm able to take my kids to school uh i'm able my my kids are not starving but uh, you know they're able to have a good life and it's literally doing by me doing the me and my wife doing the things that we love and being good at them. And so no I don't care anymore. Like I'm excited I'm excited that how lucky seems to be doing well. It hasn't even come out yet, but certainly it's been a pleasant surprise uh, in a lot of ways some of the reactions to it. But like to me what's exciting about it's like, "Oh, awesome. I think this means they're going to let me do another one. And that's the goal. Like I, like to me, that's like you and I have talked about this, like are really the person we're writing for are our editors. <laughs> and like, that's who we're trying to kind of please a little bit. And I think it's the element of the truth to that. The idea that like, I want to like, I've written this book. And my editor likes it, and looks like they're going to sell enough copies to where they let me going to do another one. And that is the goal, <laughs> like that's the goal. Like I'm, I still today get asked, like, so what? Particularly with this, because you know I'm a, uh, a journalist that works in sports and entertainment, and occasionally politics. Now I've written a fiction novel. Like, so what's the goal? Was this always the goal? The goal is to just like die at my desk writing <laughs> and being able to make a living <laughs> to do that. And uh, and and you know I, I'm 45 years old now. I mean, I'm a third of the way there, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I got you so, I'm, I'm, like, I, That's uh, a,
0: a clear sign of your optimism right there. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. I, but that's what yeah. I mean.
1: Just to be able to make it all the way, like, like now I feel like I'm 40, I, I'm making it. Like I get to write for a living and that I, I'm now old enough now that I really only got to do this for like 25, 30 more years and then I'll just die and then I will have made it. And so uh, to me, that's that's the goal.
0: Well, that's where I have it in the pool. So this is good to know. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate okay. you, yeah. you tipping your hand there. Actually, that segues perfectly to the next thing I wanted to ask, which was about the fact that I, I want to be very careful, I don't want to talk about spoilers, but one of the things that mm. Daniel talks about, this is established very early on in the book, is that because of his diagnosis and because he was diagnosed as a boy, the doctors at the time told his mom that he probably wasn't going to live very long. And the fact that he is 26 and still alive is in some ways beating the odds. As a result of that, a decent amount of how lucky is about facing one's mortality and what does that mean. And for most people who are 26, that's not really a thing that they are thinking about. You're 20 years older than Daniel. And I was curious in terms of what he talks about, in terms of how he sees death and how he talks about death. And that death is a thing that he is... It is more front of mind for him than I think it is for most of us. Um, And I was especially curious because you and I, because we've known each other for a long time, we're both very lucky in terms of the fact that um, our siblings are still alive, our parents are still alive. A lot of people don't have those things. We're very lucky in, in that regard. I was curious about your own feelings about death And if they change it all in terms of writing a character who has to think about death, and is pretty blase about it, not that he's flippant, but that has been something that he has had to deal with every single day for many, many years now. And there is a a casualness in terms of how he talks about that way, I think, that most of us probably don't think about. So I was sort of curious about you, your own relationship with mortality, and then writing Daniel, was it affected is this kind of the way that you feel about death and dying? I was just, we've never really talked about that. And so while reading the book, I was really kind of curious to ask you.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of years ago and I hadn't talked to him in a while. I was like, how's it going? He's like, good. You know, I mean, we're getting older. The kids are running away from us and our parents are getting really old and sick. And uh, other than that, getting older is awesome. (laughs) And uh, you know, there is, you're, you're right. You and I are very fortunate that like, you know, I mean, uh, one of the advantages I think that I have, and you as well, is like our parents had us relatively young, so like they get to. I've written about this before: the idea of that, like, will I get to experience some of the things uh, that I, I have this great like. My parents, like, they're here in Georgia, and they are my friends. (laughs) Like, they're my parents, but they're my friends. Like, I hang out with them all the time, every time I get an opportunity to, because they, they, we've now reached the point in our lives where, like, we're adults. They're no longer, like, parenting me anymore, and I'm no longer trying to impress them as much as I used to or or prove anything to them. And now we're just people that really, really know each other incredibly well. They get to hang out. And uh, I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to have that. And I always worry, because I had children a decade late, then... My parents did, but I'll be able to have that experience with them. Uh, But more to the point, like... Listen, my, I'm very fortunate that like my my mom, like my mom, I'm not going to say her age, but she is turning a round number birthday this year. Uh, she still runs like 25 miles a week. Uh, my dad, uh, uh, you know, he, he's, he's basically, uh, he was at the, he was at my book party that we had the other night and everyone kept asking him, he's about to go to see my sister for a week. But when he comes back and everyone's like, Hey, so listen, can you work on this for me? Can you fix this for me? Can you do this for me? I need this wiring in my house. And, and, and he's like, Yeah, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'll do it. Like, but I have, we all have friends whose parents are either gone or are uh, 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 someone that they're they're not they're 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 almost a, not a problem but certainly you know um, you worry about them all the time you know and the idea that like like I have friends who like their, they their parents are, are getting are getting, starting to get dementia or they're just starting to break down physically or they like the idea of I feel very very lucky that I've not had to deal with that but like I also like, you gotta think about this stuff now. And not just my parents, but like, you know, I mean, this is part of getting older too, right, Grierson? Is that like, you know, I. I mean, people from our class. Like every every time I look at the Facebook page of our of our high school class, like oh, we lost this person. We're down this person. Like it could happen. Like I'm, you know, I mean, for crying out loud, I, you know, I've got friends. My my grandfather, again, the medicine was a little different by then. But like when he was 45, he'd already had two heart attacks. That'd be fair. He's smoking four packs of unfiltered Pall Malls every day. But still, like at a certain level, like these are things that you have to kind of think about and. To me, a lot of this is preparing myself, not for so much like my parents specifically, but preparing myself for grief because I haven't – like, I think there are things that I'm sad about. There are things that I mourn. I've lost, I've lost people that I care about. I'm not, I'm not saying that I haven't. But like the deep grief, like the – like I cannot fathom a world – where the people that are closest to me are not there. I just, I, I I haven't, I can't even imagine it. And so, but someday I'm going to have to. And there's a section where Daniel talks about this, about, about how he feels, I think it's one of like the key sections of the book where he uh, talks about, he feels kind of fortunate that like, other people will have to mourn him and he won't have to mourn them and how that feels. He almost feels guilty about it because uh, it's something I feel like I'm not prepared for and I'm trying. And that's a weird way to think because what's the old uh, Mammoth line? Like worry is interest paid on a debt that never comes. Uh, Like this is, this is, uh, this is interest paid on a debt that is coming no matter what. So like, you might as well not like, like there's no reason to have a debt because it's like, it's all, it's all coming and happening. So, uh, you know, and again, like, you know, one thing that's interesting about SMA is that like now, you know, Miller, who I talked about earlier, he's going to like his lifespan is already considered longer than what Daniel, like Spinraza is a very dramatic development that's happened in the world of SMA in the last like six or seven years. And so that that's changed it a, a, a lot in a lot of ways. It's still like, like he still is in a, he still a wheelchair and he's still like, but like, it's still like a terrible disease, but like. Daniel and like now they're they're not telling kids now if they're the parents now with their kids too that like hey they're not gonna make it to twenty now they might say it's gonna be a difficult life and they're probably not gonna live in as long as an average person but there's hope and there's like that's there but for someone like Daniel. From it, from the get go, it was like, yep. So, like, by the time that Daniel knew like who he was and what life was, he what, he knew that there was an a, a he had an earlier expiration date on this than everybody else did. And so, uh, what I to me, I almost kind of like used Daniel. Like, I listened to Daniel's views on this because I need to listen really hard to that because I don't. Daniel says things in this, and I'm like, wow. That sounds amazing. I hope I feel that way when that happens, uh, because uh, uh, I don't. And uh, and so a lot of that is, you know, there's another section in the book where Daniel's uh, mom talks about she ha- she deals with something tragic, and uh, several tragic things kind of happen to one once or her, and she says it was funny because up until that point, like I feel like nothing really bad had happened to me, and uh, and she almost feels like oh right like. Bad things happen to me just like they do everybody else, and and it's really how you deal with them. And so, yeah, for me, like thinking about like it's coming, you know. And I'm not I'm not a morose person, but like you know, I mean, shit. What what has the pandemic been? But uh, oh, the the uh, a, a, a everyone's confrontation with uh, hey you know what everything is actually just kind of hanging by a string <laughs> and you need to be aware of that at any moment and so uh, uh, this book was written before the pandemic in fact my my editor today was saying he was mad at me when he read the acknowledgments because he's like now people are because I mentioned the, the pandemic is obviously not mentioned in the book but in the acknowledgments I mentioned the pandemic he's like now they're gonna know when this thing was edited he wanted to like exist outside of time and space but I do feel like. You know, there is something there. Th- having this be set literally the fall before the pandemic comes was a conscious decision. Once the pandemic hit, because I think there was something about that idea of, you know, what you might not think this is close to you, but it is, and it's something that he has to grapple with.
0: Yeah, and I, I know I want to be careful of spoilers, but I will say that I am glad that as much as we both are a huge fan of the Coen brothers' A Serious Man, I'm glad that there is not a tornado at the end of the book. I <laughs> Because I was reading it this time, because the, the the last time I read it was pre-pandemic, and so the idea of a pandemic was not even a thing that we thought about. Reading it this time, I was I could not help but think, because of that knowledge that it had been written beforehand, like, oh, this is all... Like, I wonder how these characters have been over the last year. I couldn't help but think that. And um, it's funny that you mention that that passage that Daniel talks about, about essentially dying before his friends. I, I when both times I've read I've thought about the Maurice Sendak line to Terry Gross about that he hopes that he dies before her so he won't have to miss her. And in some ways, that's such a selfish thing. But in other ways, this thing that's incredibly... um comforting because you do kind of get to not have to go through the grief of losing other people because you check out first. We talked about voice with Daniel. Um again I want to be careful with spoilers. If Daniel is a voice that you kind of cultivated and kind of came to understand. There's another big voice in the book, and that is of a person who is a somewhat shady, shadowy figure in the book. And I'll let I'll let you decide how much you want to talk about that character. But I would submit that that voice is not like you at all. And I am especially curious because whenever you are doing a fiction thing, when you are writing people who are so diametrically opposed to you, it can be a real challenge. Sometimes it allows you to express the parts of your personality that you normally never let out. And it can be very liberating. On the other side, it can be a way of kind of like, it's kind of a cathartic way of sort of like imagining a different perspective than yourself. So this figure that I'm talking about, in terms of coming with his voice, I'm curious how that came about.
1: You know, it's hard because, you know, we'll be careful of spoilers, but, you know, there is... One of the things that I don't like often um in like mysteries or thrillers is the fallacy of like the genius bad guy or the charming you know rogue or 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 so on and like sometimes it's good like we just talked about talent mr ripley and i think that's like a great example of one but like i kind of feel like in the real world these guys and they're almost always guys they're shitheads. <laughs> they're shitheads. They're, and I don't mean shithead in that like they're like they they live in a dark dungeon and have like pictures of people. like th- I for me, what was interesting to write that voice of what you're talking about is this is a guy who thinks he is so much more interesting than he is. And I really wanted to kind of like get that idea of um of I didn't want him to be charming. I didn't want him to be... And it's hard, because you also want to make, you know, the reader interested enough to want to keep listening about this person. But I don't like... Like, I... Like, again, I will be careful with spoilers. But, like, when bad things happen in the world, uh, they're usually done by bad people for bad means. And they're not doing it to, like, as a puzzle. They might think they're doing that, or might tell themselves they're doing that. But, like, it's really they're just bad people doing bad things to good people. And... I l- it's funny. I, I tried to like when I was writing what you're talking about, I've tried, you know, it's funny. You, know, you might like this. I actually listened to, uh, angel dust by faith. No more a ton. while I'm a little disappointed.
0: You don't just normally listen to angel dust. Like I still <laughs> gotcha. do to this day. The, the faith. <laughs> I like that album. Yeah. No, so the, the obviously I no, no, I like the, 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 the album, but like, definitely the faith. No more album from 1992 that came out. It was their album. They released after, uh, Epic thing? No, what was it called? Um, Real thing. Real thing. Real thing, which was their hit because of epic. We're both big fans of Angel Dust. Go ahead.
1: But it's really dark. Like, yeah. it's really dark. And it's dark in a way that's even different and sloppier than like what Nine Inch Nails was doing at the time, where it was like, I'm recording an album in the, in the home of a serial killer and I'm in this dark place. And the thing I actually really like about Angel Dust is it's like, there's like dark stuff in there, but this is kind of sloppy. And like, it feels like more visceral uh, than, than like uh, some of the, I, I actually find that album more disturbing than a lot of old Nine Inch Nails stuff, because it feels, it just feels like gross and and weird and and angry and confused. And, and, and there's something about it that I, like, it's not like clinical or like particularly, it doesn't even always feel like that well thought out, but it feels like really primal. And uh, so when I was writing that character style like I found myself listening to that a lot to the point by the way that at one point I actually had him say if I spoke at one constant volume and one constant pitch and one constant rhythm straight into your ear I still won't hear and uh, and when I was doing though, edits, though I have
0: to say he sound the, the, the person who we are not we're talking <clears throat> around he sounds like more of an RV guy I have to yeah say.
1: that's true in terms true. of songs off yeah. that album but I, yeah. but
0: I take your point though
1: yes but it was funny to the point where like as we got late in the process I, I we were doing like final edits I circled and I was like wait this is I just occurred to me that this is a lyric do we need to clear that <laughs> we end up just taken it out um but uh because uh, i do think that like i like that idea I, I didn't want the potential adversary uh for daniel to be some charmer or to be some interesting but like because i don't think people are i think like what happens to Ai Chen in this book is shitty, and it's not cool. It is not like a mastermind plot. It is not, and you know this. We, we, I, we haven't really got into like the pitching of this thing, but like one of the biggest struggles was selling this thing. Was you know people have an idea of what a thriller is, particularly in the world of books. This is something that's actually surprised me a little bit about the book world. To be honest, to me, a book is. You know, a novel is, wow, well, like, I can make this thing anything that I want to. <laughs> like, to me, that's that's the limitless possibility of a book. It's so amazing. I don't have to, like, you know, get funding from a distributor or say – or go do a – like, this is a Roger Corman horror movie and then sneak in other things. I can just make the book that I want to make – and so it was surprising to me when we went to sell this and now even classify it, that the the fiction world is really obsessed with, yes, but is it a thriller? Is it contemporary fiction? Is it literary fiction? And to me, like, I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> and like, And it's weird for me. We found that. Uh, we actually uh, – I, I don't know how – you might, when I sent you the book. Uh, it was actually out of frustration because oh I remember had, I remember yeah, yeah it was out of frustration because we had gotten um, uh, we had sent this around my agent was the, the story behind the book is I literally wrote it did not even tell my agent I was doing it and I just wrote it and then I physically hand, I met him for dinner in New York and just physically handed it to him like I was in Wonder Boys or something if we were husbands and wives I would have left the fucking thing in a cab um, and uh, uh, and then he was like great now I have to carry this thing around and I was like no it's on the. Di- I'll email it to you tomorrow I just want like my like big dramatic moment and he read and he's like oh yeah i'm very excited this is gonna i'm excited about this and we we can do something with this and uh because i was would have been happy if it had been like published by like the university of wisconsin press like i really just wanted it out there and he was so excited about it so we got like, cleaned it up for to send it out and we literally went oh for 16 <laughs> we went oh for 16 every single person passed and the th- reason that they passed was yeah but it's not like uh, it's kind of a thriller But it's not really a thriller. And so, like, some of the suggestions we got were like, well, maybe Travis should be in on it. Or maybe like Marjani, like is the father of the, of, of the bad guy or something. I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Like that's not what the book is. And so there's a lot of frustration that I had. In fact, the book actually begins with the line. This is not a thriller, which is not the first line of the version that I sent you. Cool, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> that was like literally out of frustration because I was just screaming, this is not like there are thriller aspects to this, but it was continuously frustrating to me that like people like, And I think I think you see a little bit of this in some people's reactions because it's different, like like it's a different book, and so it's not like it's not Gone Girl, and I think Gone Girl is really good, by the way, and like like I'm not like, but like there is a. Formula for thrillers that I just was not interested in doing. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that. It doesn't mean there's anything that people that do that they're doing something wrong. They are brilliant at it, and I that no, they're awesome. I just didn't want to do it that way. And so we were very fortunate that we uh, we we I cleaned it up and fixed it up a little bit. And this is after I sent it to you, and we got closer to the version that it is now. And we went one for 15. <laughs> we went one for 15 and Noah Eaker at Harper, uh, saw, uh, what it was trying to do. And, uh, and they've done a, just, I mean, they've done an incredible job with it and got, and now I feel like it's the book that I wanted it to be. Like the, there were, I just didn't want to write a thriller. Like there are thriller aspects and Daniel needs something to do. <laughs> so like, you know, there are there, that's obviously in there and I want there to be suspense. And I want there to be some excitement, but, you know the it, i it was weird even writing that character because I think people wanted him to be like a mastermind or he, here's the his his fiendish, devilish, brilliant plot, but like I don't think that's generally the worst. I think these guys are shitheads, and I think that they're bad people, and uh, they think they're smart and they're not, and uh, that's what I was trying to get across about him
0: when my book came out earlier this year my parents then immediately asked me the question that i love being asked um, by my parents or by anybody else which is so what are you going to do next and i have to say that as somebody who has interviewed filmmakers and musicians i quickly learned just don't ask them that because they have put their heart and souls into the thing they just put out that they don't want to then be diminished by saying okay wait now do something else because this is the thing that they have just done. So I'm going to violate that for a second because I am curious, because like you said, maybe this will, um, if if this book sells, then you could do another one. You're busy, I'm busy. We're always kind of writing things. Do you allow yourself to think the next book will be this?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to do another one. Uh, in fact, I've already talked to them about it. Um, they are, because, you know, I mean, the thing the, I'll put it this way, the thing about when you go one for 33 pitching is that one doesn't actually have to like buy it for that much. <laughs> when that happens. And so they are like, like th- this thing is going very well. They could not like, th- I mean, listen, we'll see what happens. Like the book's not even out yet, but for crying out loud, like if you'd have told, if you'd have told my editor when he bought this thing that, like, hey, it's going to be on book of the month, it's going to be an Amazon pick, and Stephen King's going to tweet about it, and Richard Russo, like, it would have been the best possible scenario for him. That it, everything that has happened with this book already is gravy. <laughs> like, I just, I in all seriousness, like, like, and I hope it, like, I'm pushing. You, if you're following me on social media, you may know that I've been pushing this thing pretty hard. But like, it is all again. I'm not kidding. I want. I would have been happy to. I would have been. I would have preferred to have a larger place, but. But, like, if this thing would have just been published by the University of Wisconsin Platt Press, I could have lived with that. It would have been out there. I don't think it would be as good because I have a really good editor who fixed a lot of stuff. But I would have been – I could have handled that. It's all kind of bonus because, as we kind of talked about earlier, the one thing that we've talked about is like, okay, now we know you can do this. And now I know I can do this. Because, you know, when I, when I wrote this thing, I didn't I, – again, I – my agent didn't even know I was doing it. The first person to see it was Alexa, and the second person to see it was my agent. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I saw the second person to see it was the second people to see it, excuse me, were Lindsay and Eason, because I wanted them to look at it and be like, okay, does this jive with the things that you've talked to me about? And then I, and then I gave it to him, but like this was, I didn't know if it was any, Never mind any good if it even felt like an actual book or it was just long enough to be one. And so uh, now I I know I can do it now, and I feel confident. I'm better at this than I thought I was, which is uh, uh which is I hope that doesn't sound like cocky or anything. It's just that like I didn't know. I remember doing the final edits on this thing like the the get everything fixed before uh before it gets into the final print and I have a question for you about that at the end of this. Um and so I you know one of the jokes between me and Tim is that always uh when we do pieces together Tim is more uh meticulous correctly about like finding like copy edits, mistakes or typos or so on. And I'm very much of the idea like, I'm in the kitchen making stuff and there's flour everywhere and there's sugar everywhere and and it'll all eventually it'll look pretty on the plate. And um and but I was not like that with the final edit on this. I was I really went through it very closely. So I'm curious if Tim found anything. Um but one of the things I that kind of surprised me, because when you're in it so much, is I went through, I was like, hey, you know what? This thing is pretty good. (laughs) And like this thing is like I feel like I have something to actually Like I have, I have something that I want people to see and I'm proud to have my name on and stands for, is a good representation of what I feel I believe and am capable of in the world. And that's exciting and it makes me want to do it again. And so, um, uh, yeah, I've already talked to my editor. They actually have the first uh, option on whatever the next thing is. Uh, but we have talked about like, if, if we can get this thing going in the right direction, We'd love for this to be a regular thing and I, I wanna do it. Uh, this feels and it's uh, yes, as you as you mentioned, we make a lot of things. <laughs> and you uh it is hard to uh, to fit in time uh, to do this stuff. But I, I, I can, you know, I, I know how to, I feel comfortable knowing how to do this. And when people always ask me, like, how do you write Even before, long before this, when I had the, just the books 10 years ago, like, how do you write a book? Like, it seems so hard and impossible. And I was, my base I was always like, well, the thing is, you just sit and write a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. And then one day you're looking, like, shit, this thing's as long as a book. <laughs> That's amazing. And um, that I, I know I can do this now. And, um, Uh, I feel like some of the mistakes I made with how lucky and not just, uh, I feel like we've corrected most of them, but uh, uh, some of the mistakes I made with how lucky, I feel like I know how to avoid them now. So I'm excited. Yeah. I want to do another one. Uh, I'd like to do a lot of them. I frankly would like to do, I love, uh, we are big Breaking Bad, better call Saul fans. I love this town. I love Athens, Georgia so much. I would love to set like a, and there's so many interesting things about this town. I mean, literally, I said this before, Gerson, but my kids' first ever Christmas parade, uh, uh, crack, literally the band Cracker was playing Euro Trash Girl off the back of a truck as one of the floats. Like it's a fascinating, right next to like a, a a a right wing group that was pro- like it's own crazy town and uh and, and there's a ton of stories to be told here. I love to set it set stuff in that universe and so but yeah, I want to keep doing this and uh, uh well the goal for me is not to get a bestseller uh, the, uh as it is with every piece that I write. The goal is to let the person I'm writing for let me do this again. If I get to write one of these every couple of years until I die, I'll be a pretty happy person.
0: It's funny that you you asked me about that final like final kind of read through i have found that with my own books like the last read through when i'm absolutely 100 percent happy with it i'm kind of like and now i don't ever want to see it again not because i'm not happy <laughs> yeah. with it but there's a part of me that when if when i finish it and i'm 100 I'm percent happy with it and this is even with like reviews or articles or interviews or whatever i do i find that when it's to a place where i like it i send it and then I try not to ever think about it again because there's a part of me that is like the satisfaction and we talked about this a little bit when I when We switched seats and you interviewed me about my book this thing. I find very satisfying about this thing is good I'm happy with it The end there's something that I find just so deeply satisfying about that being kind of the end of the saga And then whatever happens afterwards, is just kind of it's just kind of great. I wasn't looking for mistakes Just so you know, so I didn't, I mean, maybe there are, but I didn't pick up on them. There is a great, um, really want to be careful of spoilers of this. I am looking forward to people emailing you to tell you that there's a mistake in their (laughs) copy. That's all (laughs) I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. And you know what I'm talking about. I am looking forward to people telling you that there is, there is a mistake in their copy and they want to let you know, um, because there is a very fun not a mistake, but it's something that's unconventional that's very fun um, in the book.
1: For the record, yeah. I had to fight my editor on that because he literally said, everyone's going to think this is a mistake. <laughs> right. That's literally, my son. I was like, no, we got to do it. We got to do it.
0: Right. And it was in the first version that I read.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, it was.
0: And I even this time went, oh, shit. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. I remember this is a, this is a yeah. thing. This is a thing. It's fine. And people say, I can't sell books. Look how good I'm doing. Uh, Buy the book. See if you can find the thing that's a mistake, ladies and gentlemen who are listening. That's not a mistake.
1: It feels like a mistake, but it's not a
0: mistake. It's not not actually um, a mistake. We are coming to kind of the end. Um, I am going to ask you the question that you always end your podcast with. Though I reserve the right to ask more questions if there's something that comes to mind. But the question that you always end the podcast with is, so when you got that first box of books of how lucky, what did you do? How did you feel? When did it happen? Kind of paint the picture for me.
1: Yeah, it was I knew it was coming. They had warned me uh I talked to my uh to to Harper and they told me uh that it's coming. They came straight from the printer because it was relatively late during COVID, you're getting the books a little later than I uh than I think they ordinarily do. And so cuz uh, just just shipping and, and so on. So it was relatively it wasn't that long ago. And it was my and it was funny because I knew they were coming. And so I went for a run thinking it'd be probably delivered around the time that I was back. But, you know, my wife and I both work out at home. And so they got there and she's like, we have to do it. We have to do it. We have. To, come on, there they are. There they are. We have, let's do the reopening. Let's open up. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait for the boys to get home. And, uh, so I waited for the boys to come from school and, uh, and we, and we opened up on the front porch. They were not nearly as impressed <laughs> as, as I, I met in my imagination, but you know, it's funny though, they, cause we waited and we all kind of did it in the front porch. And they looked, I mean, uh, the, one of the things I was most curious about is, you know, Stephen King tweeted about how much he loved the book, but he did it after press. <laughs> he did it like too late for them to like put the blurb on the book. So they actually, at the last minute, they decided to put a sticker. So there is a sticker. uh, There's a sticker on the front of your book, right, Grison? That is correct. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, and you can take it off. By the way, <laughs> you can take it off <laughs> because you can. I, for the record, I, on several copies, I have taken. I don't want to other people to take it off because I want them to see that Stephen King did right. and show it to people that Stephen King did it. But you know how it is. I've been looking at this cover for a long time. I was imagining holding it in my hands for a long time, and it didn't have a sticker on it <laughs> when I was imagining that. So I and I feel like this is because one of the happy things that's happened already. We have already we're already doing a second printing uh, because there's been enough kind of like demand for the first printing. That they're doing a second printing. The second printing, the sticker is not a sticker; it's actually a stamp.
2: Oh, nice! And it's actually nice. going
1: to be on there, so which is great. But it also means I can't take it off. <laughs> so, 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 on on all my personal copies of the book, I'm slowly taking the sticker off. Not because I'm not obviously very proud that Stephen King has the book, uh, the book. But I just I like the cover with this. something pure about the actual cover, uh, uh, not having the sticker on there. But to to have that to open it up and then have the boys. Like they were excited and you know one of the things that was really really sweet was they both like when they went to bed they read, they buy they both read, they read these books called Dogman which like this like if you go look at the Amazon sales ratings for books Dogman it's like the Bible <laughs> the, the Bible, uh, um, uh, some right-wing crazy book and dog man. Like there's like, like kids are obsessed with these dog man books and they read these books every night before they go to bed. My son's been, has been reading Calvin and Hobbes, uh, as well. They've been, they sat down to try to read the book that we have this wonderful picture of them sitting in bed that night, reading the book. And I, and for the record, it's totally inappropriate. They have no business. They're nine and six, but like they were just excited by being able to do that in a in a really, in a really cool way. And so, uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad I waited for him and I'm, I'm, Glad we got to do
0: that. Um, I'm gonna ask you one more question, but I mean, ahead, I, please, I, I reserve please. the right to stay longer. Uh, to ask of you course. more stuff. So, we are recording this on Friday before the book comes out, which means Mother's Day is coming up. And I was again, because I know you, this is the curse of me knowing you in terms of talking to you about this. I was so interested in this relationship that Daniel has with his mom. And, um, you know, your parents have been together as long as my parents have been together. So this is not a a relationship, a situation that you knew growing up, not to spoil too much, but Daniel basically grew up with a single mom. Um, And the descriptions of his mom and his relationship with her and her own kind of journey that she goes on in the book... I was curious in terms of where that came from because you're very close with both your parents, but you're you're close with your mom and you've talked about that already a little bit I was just so interested because it's not the experience that you had with your own mom in terms of growing up in the childhood that you had and so I was just kind of wondering where it came from was it was it fictionalized was it drawn from certain people you don't have to name those people, but I'm just really curious.
1: You know, one of the things that, uh, when I was talking to, uh, uh, Lindsay, uh, Miller's mom, one of Miller's moms, and, um, she said, one of the things that she works really hard with Miller are two things. One, he's got to do his own thing. He's got to do his own thing. Like what, and the second thing was she, there, there's a, uh, thing that actually a couple people with SMA talked to me about, about particularly with boys there is an infantilization that their parents they call it they call it disnifying their children which is to say that uh, because their kids need so much um they tend to allow them to be babies longer than they should and uh, uh I think one 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 woman said to me like you see these kids that are like 22 years old still wearing, like Mickey Mouse underoos <laughs> and still so wear Mickey Mouse pajamas. And I know that they're too smart for that. And they know they're not a child, but they have, but because their parents have been, I think Daniel's Daniel talks about this, that he says that like, there's, that there's so many kids, there's so many parents that, uh of kids of SMA that uh do everything they can to protect them from everything because they can't protect them from the big thing. And, uh, Lindsay was defiant and insistent that that would not be how Miller was going to be raised. And Miller was going to be autonomous. He was going to be uh, as independent as he as he possibly can be. And I see that in Miller every time that we see him. And so that's something I wanted to kind of give to Daniel. And I also wanted the idea of of Daniel... I wanted one of the things that happens with Daniel's mom because she's actually not around for the book. Like he talks to her during, during the book, but she's actually in Jamaica on like vacation with like a handsome young man somewhere. And one of the things that like, I wanted to have key about Daniel was he recognizes the gift that his mom gave him to not just like take care of him and without a father around, but also the gift that she gave him to want to be autonomous and want to be his own person. And he wants to give it back to her. And uh, so one of the reasons that he insists on living by himself and insists on, 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 on living even in a different town than his mother is he doesn't want, uh, I think he says like, he doesn't want um, uh, the, the, his disease to take out two people rather than one. And, uh, and so I, I wanted, I wanted her sacrifice and her dedication to be rewarded it would be the best way to put it. And I wanted Daniel to want to reward her for it. So uh, no, my, uh, obviously I'm very, I'm very fortunate, but like, I will say like, you know, I mean, I'm 45 years old. I know a lot of single parents now. (laughs) I I know a lot of divorced parents now. And, and I can't, I mean, you know, I mean, it is, uh raising these two boys is an an incredible challenge and a constant source of stress and uh, and difficulty uh, for my wife and I because raising kids is super hard. I cannot fathom what it would be like to have to do it by yourself and particularly have to do it by yourself with someone who has uh, uh, the disability that, uh, that Daniel has. And so uh, I wanted to... I and you know there there's also the old, there's the old Disney trope too that like a lot of times it's easier to write characters if there's if there's one or two parents gone and like I kind of wanted like you know I wanted I also wanted to like get the, we haven't really talked about Travis but like Travis is his friendship with Travis I wanted to be born out of a certain kind of, they were just thrown together at a very early, early age and were around each other all the time. And therefore we're always going to be around each other all the time. And I, you know, the, that, that kind of idea is definitely born out of, um, two overworked, exhausted mothers, uh, just being like, just sit there. Just here, there's another child. Just be right there and don't kill each other or anybody else. And, uh, and, and I, I like that idea because I think Travis's friendship with Daniel is so kind of vital to the book. And I wanted them, it to be like forged in iron. And I felt like that was a way to be able to do it.
0: While you were answering that question, by the way, I took the sticker off your book and put it onto <laughs> Jonathan Franzen's Freedom. So when people come over to my house, they'll be like, oh, I, I, I heard lots of mixed things, but I guess Stephen King really liked freedom. I'll give it a try.
1: Go, go put it on your worst book. Like whatever the worst book you have in your library. <laughs> just, uh, I'm just looking, so I'm looking,
0: it. I'm looking. Yeah. Uh,
1: there are certain books that people have given me
0: because they thought I was going to like them and I didn't have the heart to read them. It might be one of those books, but I, do I want to go I'd
1: take be- a sticker and go put it on. Like, like we've got to have like an old book in this house about like potty training your toddler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to put it on that.
0: or Mein Kampf. One or the other. I think that's a perfectly good one, uh, as well. Um, we have to do a movie podcast in like two days. I hope you're ready. Yes, well, I, I am ready. I'm. I'm prepared. I hope you are prepared. Um, those are the questions I had All for right. you. Well done. Out of curiosity, was there anything you were waiting for me to ask that I didn't
1: ask? No, I mean, I, I to me, like you know, this is this is my it's one of the it's is my big thing. This is my big shot. You know, I mean, like I I've struggled a little bit with. You know, this is this goes back to your earlier question about you know writing now and having my life and have and being where I am. Like you know, this is I, I can't put it better. Like this is like what I wanted to put out into the world. And I didn't, and and I didn't know it is beyond surprising to me. I'm very, I'm, 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 I'm very, like it's again. I, I've talked to a lot of authors uh, that, that about you know to go through this process. There's so many things that are different about since I wrote a book last, and particularly since I wrote a novel last. That like like Goodreads this. There's, there's a Bookstagram community I knew nothing about, um, uh, but the book of the month very much introduced me to that world. And um, and I know that there's a lot of authors who get like really obsessed with looking at this stuff all the time, or looking at or 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 this is my baby that I put out into the world, and and I can't hear you say these terrible things about it. But I have to say, like, this, everything is just a, I've, I've said before, it, everything is just gravy with this thing. <laughs> like, it really just feels like it is out in the world in a way that I could not have imagined it out being in the world. And there's a little part of me that, like, and you have to have felt this with your last book, that, like, like I told you when you were on the show that, like, I love your last book. And it feels like, it feels like you, and it feels like a very Tim Grierson next step sort of thing. And, but when you're writing it, you're just making it you know and right. and then yeah. and then people go out and read it and so it is there's still a little part of me that feels like if like I guarantee you there are people that, that like are going to just hate it because there's just like there I mean people just hate things it's just what the way the world works and some people it's just not going to dive with people and To me that like the idea that people can physically hold this in their hand and read it is so beyond my wildest expectations that like there's just nothing like it's all gravy. (laughs) It's just all gravy. And so all the happy stuff and the Stephen King stuff and the Richard Russo stuff and the the Book of the Month stuff, uh, it's been great. But like... It just lets me do another one, and uh, yeah, that's. I just think I want to. I want to keep doing these, but I promise, Grierson, I, I I will. I will do my best not to like de- send you in the throes of desperation. Uh, Tim, you know, like movies and plots and things. <laughs> will you help? What? Because that that right. when I sent it to you, I was very much in a a a level of high frustration when it when it was sent to you.
0: Well, I didn't want to get into that too much because I didn't want. To- because I don't know how much people care about that stuff. But yeah, I mean, when you, when you sent it to me, it was very much, you didn't tell me a ton. I had known what the book was about because you had come out here a little while before that. And you and me and had, you and me and Susan had dinner and you gave us sort of the rough outline of about the, what the book was about. That's the first time we'd ever talked about it. when you sent the book to me, it was at a point where it was plot stuff. That was kind of the frustration, um, at that point. And, what is for me funny, and I told you this um, off mic last week. But if I've read the book now, I've read the book a second time now. It doesn't feel significantly different than that version from two years <laughs> ago. Which funny. I do. Which again, I don't mean is like, well, yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know what you did because it doesn't seem any different to me. It feels like the book I read. There are certain moments where I'm like, I think that's new. There are not moments where I'm like, oh, I think that was taken out. I don't find myself. So the idea that you went through this journey of having to kind of explain, like, this book is a blank, it is in this, it it fits in these quadrants and will appeal to these readers of this demographic. What's funny to me about reading the book is I don't, it does not feel appreciably different uh, in terms of its feel, in terms of its tone, in terms of kind of its arc. It still feels like that book. And when I was reading it this time, I was kind of like, well, let's see if I notice, like the director's cut and like what's (laughs) new here and what's different and i really have to say i i really kind of struggle to even sort of piece that piece that stuff together which i think to sort of like notice like oh this is new this is new or this is gone this is gone it feels like the book i read two years ago and you may remember even at that time i basically said like i think this book is good i don't know like I don't know the book world at all, but I don't know like why this is a problem um, in terms of what it is. Um, but again, I don't know that world, so I, I wouldn't pretend to, to have anything beyond, I think, this book-read-good, Tim-like book. So, <laughs> I'll so you <know>, take it. <laughs> I, I gave you more more advice than that, but it, it was in yeah. proper English, but that was kind of it. I mean, that was sort of the deal. I mean, what you were saying before about this all being gravy and, and you're in the process of, of the book, you're just writing the damn thing. A lot of this stuff is just like Solving problems and fixing things and getting things to where you like them and when they're done They're done you move on to the next thing and I often feel Though I haven't seen this movie in such a long time that like I don't know if you feel this way But for me in terms of my writing The end of of eight mile is kind of how I feel about everything which is like he wins the contest And then he goes back to work and other people look at that as being like Bittersweet or melancholy and to me it's like no he's just just doing the job. It's just doing the job. And I I don't know how it is for other people. You were saying about like, you know, it doesn't have to be a bestseller. You know, that's not kind of what you're looking for. I sometimes wonder if because you and I write so many things, it's not that we do it intentionally, but it does keep us from pinning everything on one thing. And I think especially when you're like younger and your career is starting, I mean, to use you specifically with Deadspin, it was kind of like I don't want to put words into your mouth, but it's kind of like, Deadspin's got to do well, because that's kind of my thing. I need that to do really well. We're both very, very fortunate that we don't have, like, if this thing doesn't hit, we're screwed. It's a nice feeling to kind of, like, diversify in terms of the different types of stuff that you do and that I do. And so, if this book does well, and I think it is going to do well, it's like, that's awesome. But if the book is, like, worst-case scenario, whatever you want to imagine you're still going to be writing for MLB. You're still going to be writing for New York. Like, you know, we're still going to do the podcast. We're still going to talk about movies. There are other things that are kind of engaging us. When people ask us, like me, about like advice for writing, it's like just find a lot of stuff to do, frankly. And then like and find things that you like because in that way it's like it's – it's just kind of easier, I feel like. Um, this what's is, the old Roger Ebert
1: line? Like to, I, to me, like you know, the, as, I, I, as I get older, the two my 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 favorite Roger Ebert quote uh, goes back and forth. But like it's either the muse visits during the act of creation, or not before. That's that's sometimes it's that one. But these days, it's uh, Ebert's favorite thing was like you know uh, they asked him like what's you what, you know what my three favorite words of the English language are by Roger Ebert. And uh, and I feel like I, I just gotta make stuff. It still blows me. Does it blow you away, Christian? That like at a certain level, it is work, and I love making it. But like every single day, you and I like there was something that was not there and is now there, and it still just kind of blows me away. Like it's like it's still very exciting me. Whether it's a. A sci-fi piece about spider-man or 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 a book that we're putting out into the world it's so like we're just making shit all the time and i don't know what could be more fun than that
0: yeah it's it's hard to i mean we're we're wired this way so
1: yeah other people would
0: be like oh my god i don't know how you can do that i don't know how you can sit at a desk that whole time i mean the 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 dirty little secret for the two of us i think is that Obviously the pandemic was horrible and terrible and tragic in a lot of ways, but the idea of, well, you can't go a lot of places and you just have to be at your desk is not a thing that was that far afield from what you and I do. And so that was, it. I mean, we were able to cope because uh, we are workaholics and we're pretty um, structured in terms of how we get stuff done. And so that did kind of help. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, you said before, by if, if you were in high school and someone told you to do all this stuff, I mean, like, to a certain extent, like the the joy of putting things out into the world has kind of been a thing that we've done for a very long time. I mean, we do things together, you do things separately, I do things separately, but just kind of that thing of like, oh, you can do that is is just a thing that other people doesn't mean much to them, but to us it clearly did. And so it and it clearly, like we haven't gotten sick of that. Like I'm like I'm not tired i mean to echo what you had said earlier what i thought you put really well it's like i really really love what i do and you really love what you do and it's a lot of hard work sometimes but it's like it's better than anything else and so that's in terms of work so it's like i'll put in the hours you put in the hours and uh it's nice to have a bookshelf of your stuff I mean, it's yeah. real. It's it's it is. <laughs> yeah. It is a nice moment, and again, we're both very fortunate um, to have a shelf that you can look at and say, "Oh, I actually, I actually did those things," and I don't remember them sometimes. Some of those things, I'm like, "I can't believe I did that," because it seems so long ago now. But it's like that's a thing that will always permanently be there. And sometimes stuff on the web, it kind of comes and goes. But a book is always there. A book is always there on your shelf to remind you that you did something. And um, obviously, you've gotten a lot of great praise, which is great. But seriously, it's a hell of an accomplishment. And I'm very proud of you. Um, so, I just, so I just want to say congratulations on the book. Um, and this is the longest episode of People yeah. Still Read Books. By, I think by a wide margin, I think we... We yeah, that. I was so. I wasn't
1: gonna make Mark Leibovich uh, go 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 as long uh, <laughs> on, on this one, um, but uh, well, thank you for doing this for crying out of loud. Of course, it was my thank pleasure you for doing thank this. You. This yeah. was really fun. This seems like the perfect. Uh, this is the perfect launch podcast. I really do. So so this was really fun. So hey, uh, uh, do I do I close this out? Do I, are you? Well, I, I guess well is close this is
0: this the last episode you're ever going to do? Is I don't
1: your... think so. I'll probably like there's too now because now I've been doing them. A lot. I don't I, I don't think the listenership is massive, but like I've done enough of these now that like and like I'm in the now I'm like a little bit more more known in the book world. Now people are pitching me people, and I'm like wait I don't have time. <laughs> like, I, I'm, like like I I actually felt it was a good because the, the the guest before this is Jessica Anya Blau, who uh, her book is called Mary Jane, and it's really good. Uh, but it is, uh, it's, it comes out the same day as mine. <laughs> and so we both had a, like, wait, we're friends, right? Like we're cool. <laughs> and it was very, uh, like, I, I feel like I got to keep doing it. Like I, I we'll, we'll see. But, uh, at the very least it's an excuse to just sit and talk to smart people. <laughs> and there are, there are worse things than that. So I'll tell you what, Grierson, I, that we'll do another one, but no matter what, even if there's a time where they stop, we will bring it back whenever one of us has another book come out.
0: Oh, that's a lot of work.
1: <laughs> I know. Sorry. Get get back to it. Get back <laughs> to done, it.
0: I've done I've done 7, man. Give me, give <laughs> yeah. me. I need to uh, I I I really uh, loyal listeners will be like, "Wow, not a single conversation about pool holes."
1: I know. We haven't discussed. Well, well, well that's for Sunday. I, I have I have, Sunday. I
0: have a funny feeling that's yeah, that, that will pop up on Sunday. That will I pop think up. that that yes. will probably pop up. Um I it's your podcast. You've let God. me you've let me drive. I will park, pull over not in that order, and let you uh, drive us the way home.
1: All right, well, thank you, Grierson, for chatting with me. This was very fun. I'm very glad we did this, and I like this tradition. I'm glad we established this. This will be kind of a fun thing. It's a different twist, I think, for because this is going to be cross-posted to the Grierson Leashed podcast. I'm curious if people are like, wow, that's like a totally different tone than their usual podcast. I think it's kind of interesting. I think it's kind of fun. So um, but anyway, so uh, this is the People's Celebrate Books podcast. Uh, we'll probably do another one, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to be very busy for the next fortnight, so I wouldn't expect another one for uh, for a couple of weeks, but uh, this is great, too. Tim, thank you for doing this. And hey, the book is out Tuesday. Oh, and last thing, if you made it this far, uh, Wednesday night, May 12th is a, our virtual launch event. It is through Avid Bookshop here in Athens. It is free to all, though if you want to get a signed copy of the book, you can buy a ticket and get, and I'm signing a bunch of copies of the book and they will mail them to you. Um, so, uh, you can do that. I'm co-hosting it with Kevin Wilson, who is the author of, uh, the New York Times bestselling author of Nothing to See Here and The Family Fang. He and I are going to be co-hosting the event together, uh, virtually, but it's open to everyone. So what, one of the, you know, one of the things about, uh, that's different about this than the last time I did a book, Was there's no book tour what with the pandemic and all. So, but so that's the unfortunate part. Though the paperback is coming out in March of next year, so we might maybe we'll do something uh, for that. But more to the point, uh, we are actually uh, the the good news is everyone can come. Like everyone can come and everyone can go check it out. Uh, It's at seven o'clock May twelfth. Me and Kevin Wilson talking about and that's
0: seven o'clock Eastern
1: time. Correct. Thank you. Seven o'clock Eastern Time on uh, May on on Wednesday, May twelfth. It's not the day the book comes out because I have to coach a little league game that night, so I can't. I can't. Yeah. That's what I'll actually be doing the day the book comes out is I will be coaching a little league game.
0: Yes. Um. I, I, let, I hope he hope at least let you win.
1: Um, <laughs> I don't, I, trust it. I guarantee that other coach don't give two shits that I got a book coming out. i
0: saying the inspirational speech that you give to your players, like you. I'm, I'm imagining you holding the book in one hand and saying, "Listen." I could be promoting my book right now, but I'm here for you, Rugrats, because I love you that much. So Don't just, fail you know,
1: me. Don't fail me. <laughs> Don't, win one for the book. Win one for Daniel. <laughs> win, one, win one for Stephen King, or I'm taking this sticker yes. off. <laughs> All right, Gerson, thanks for doing this with me. Uh, and everyone, uh, we'll uh, we'll see you, if you're listening to this on the Gerson Leach feed, which frankly, you probably are. Uh, if you're listening on this feed, uh, we'll be back with a regular show on Sunday. Otherwise, Gerson, thanks for doing this.
0: My pleasure.
2: And if the whole world's singing your song all of your paintings have been hung. Just remember what was yours is everyone's from now on. And that's not wrong or right. But you can struggle with it all you like. You're gonna get up tight when there's a light. Wild light, 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 there's a light.